0: Uh, We are continuing uh, or finishing our series in Nehemiah. We're uh, picking up in Nehemiah chapter 5. If you have been journeying with us, we've been doing a little series called From Rubble to Restoration. Uh, That God doesn't call us to be a people who live in the rubble. God doesn't leave us in the rubble. He wants to restore the rubble and he wants to bring us to life and to speak purpose over us in our lives and where we're at. So uh, there was one week we missed out on, so we're going to pick up on that, uh, Nehemiah chapter 5. So as you get that in your Bible or your device, I'll give you a little snapshot as to where we are in the story at this point. Uh, So Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. It's quite a, a... a well-respected job, being a cupbearer, good security with that. And, but he gets news that the walls of Jerusalem are, have crumbled, have crumbled. And uh, this is his home, and it's been completely destroyed. And something in him at that moment stirs in him. He mourns, he prays, he hears from God, and he goes. And he finds favor in that. He leaves behind what is safe and familiar. But it's not all plain sailing. It's not all plain sailing as Nehemiah steps out into this rebuild project. uh, There's attack and there's battles and there's blessings. There's battles and there's blessings. There's battles and there's blessings. Does that sound familiar? Battles and blessings. Uh, But in all this, he prays. We see lots of Nehemiah's response in those moments in prayer. In prayer when attack comes. And he keeps moving. He keeps moving. Prayer really matters. As you read through Nehemiah, you see the importance of prayer when opposition comes. And we're going to be pushing into prayer uh, a bit more as a church. And we're going to be sharing a little bit next week as to what that looks like. But I guess at the beginning of the year, I just want to throw out an invitation moment afresh uh, in terms of prayer. We have weekly prayer meetings twice a week, uh, half seven on Sunday night and at half six on Wednesday morning. We have a faithful few who come along to that, and uh, they are incredible times. We've been doing that half six on Wednesday morning. That's been happening now for nearly three years. And uh, some mornings, I hate it before, but I always come away incredibly blessed after it. So I just want to invite you again as church family to one of those, if you're feeling super brave, the half six uh, or half seven. It's half an hour. Uh, half an hour and a half an hour flies and we're often like oh is that the half an hour gone can't believe it and a few are like let's carry on and, uh, but half an hour and just to bring that time to the Lord to pray whatever, whatever's on our heart there's a link on our notice sheet that takes you straight through to the zoom uh, so so we plug for our prayer meetings. Let's read chapter five it'll be up on the screen as well hopefully and we're going to read from verse one to eleven and then we're going to do 14 to 19. Let me pray before we do that. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that uh, you're, eager, you're eager, as I said earlier, to speak to us. Thank you. This is, this is your living word. And we pray that, that what is uh, shared from it and unpacked would be your words into our years, into our weeks into our situations, our worries and our dreams. Would you just come? In Jesus name, Amen. Amen. Nehemiah 5. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive we must get grain. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still, others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and know our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless. Because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry, this is Nehemiah, and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people. Only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men and are also lending the people money and grain. But let us stop charging interest. Get back to them immediately, their fields, vineyards, olive groves and houses. And also the interest you are charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. And then uh, we have a little bit where the, the nobles and the officials say, we'll give it back, we're sorry. And then we'll pick up in verse 14 after that moment. Nehemiah continues with this. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, Until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over the people. By out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Amen. Amen. I want to ask us this morning, how how will we travel through this year? How will we travel through this year? Is there anything in 2022 that we would like to see change? Is there anything that we would like to do differently differently? in 2022. And this is whether we like the whole New Year's resolution thing or not. There is opportunity in the new. There is opportunity in a fresh start. And for those of us who know Jesus, we live as a result of a fresh start. The most amazing fresh start like no other. And we are to remember and live from that every single day. So at the start of the new year, there's an opportunity to ask questions like, where are we headed? Where are we directed to? Or are we just going through the motions? Or are we stuck? Is it the same old, same old? How we travel through the year is really important. It's important as followers of Jesus that we don't just read the stuff. We don't just uh, agree with the stuff or sing about the stuff, but that we do the stuff. And this chapter is is a really, it's a really important one. And it's fitted in quite really well to a new year kind of moment, a a new year reflection for the year ahead. How we walk through the year. And Nehemiah shows us through his journey of rebuilding the wall, how to navigate well and how to choose well. How we navigate and choose well and as he was rebuilding the wall, we are in a very similar situation. How we navigate and choose well in the rebuilding process of the last two years of everything that's that's went on. So from this passage, there are three uh, reminders of how to travel well into a new year with new opportunities that I want to share this morning with us. So the first one is we are to travel right. to travel right. Now uh, this week I was a wee bit worried coming to church this morning because on Wednesday I took an almighty blow to my head. (laughs) It was touch and go. We've moved our little desk under the stairs and uh, the doorbell went when I was working and I jumped up and I banged my head under the stairs and uh, answered the door and then I started feeling quite sick and dizzy. had to sit down I was okay. You'll be glad to hear I'm here. It's okay. But what proceeded to happen was a big lump the size of an egg appeared on my head. And the boys, I showed the boys and they just went, Daddy, are you okay? I wore a hat for the rest of the week. I was like, how can I get away wearing a hat to church? Maybe I'll wear it on Sunday. Thankfully, it's went down and there's just a little scratch here. You're maybe wondering why I'm telling you this. But uh, it might have suggested to some people, oh, he's been in a fight. He's been in a fight, that's what's happened. He's been in a bit of a scrap. But I can reassure you, I've not been in many fights. But I have been on one, I've been in one fight. I was in primary seven at school. I was walking through the playground with my umbongo and my marathon bar. (laughs) We old reference there. It wasn't a marathon bar, I'm not that old, if I was just thinking of something. And I seen one of my friends who uh, was with a primary four or a primary five, a younger boy, and he had him in a headlock, and I didn't like what I seen. So I, I shouted, just kind of came out of me, why don't you pick on someone your own size? <laughs> someone was rising up in me at that point. And I did realise at that point, when he charged to me, charged at me, maybe that wasn't the best thing to shout. Maybe that wasn't the best thing to shout, but uh, I ended up getting him in a headlock. Thanks to copious amounts of WWF watching that, I realized how to do that. He wrestled out of it, turned towards me and then gave me a good old Glasgow kiss right in my lip. So my lips started bleeding. I then uh, decided to scream and start crying. He then decided to scream and start crying. We ended up at the head teacher's office, said sorry to each other. And then we're friends by the afternoon. So uh, that was okay. Something within me in that moment when I seen that little boy and seen my friend through the headlock. Something within me seen the injustice. And perhaps I went about it completely the wrong way. But something stirred in me. "That That isn't right. I seen something wrong and I felt like I had to put it right. Ellie Wiesel, who is an American writer, professor, and was a Holocaust survivor, said, There may be times when we're powerless to prevent injustice, but there must never be a time when we fail to protest. I really like that. I like that quote. The opening verses of this passage let us know that the fellow Jews, so especially those who are a bit more wealthy, were taking advantage of their fellow Jews, of those more vulnerable, They were charging interest, they were taxing them for their own gain. They uh, were doing all this during a famine. So the struggle to eat was really real and it was desperate times. We see that in verse 3, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. So there's already a shortage, there's a real injustice there. Verse 4, we had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. So not only did they have to borrow money, but they were being charged interest on this. They were borrowing on high interest. Verse five, although some of the same flesh and blood uh, and our children are as good as theirs, we've had to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and vineyards belong to others. So there was a, a, a sense of extreme lengths just to survive, just to live. It was tearing families apart. So we have injustice after injustice bubbling away during this rebuild project that Nehemiah has has led. And we see a valuable lesson in how to process it. When something gets us angry, when something stirs us with a natural response is to step up instantly, what did Nehemiah do? He ran over to the nobles and officials and attacked them. No, we don't read that in the passage. We don't read of this instantaneous moment when he hears of the injustice. We read that he was angry, then he pondered. You can often just miss that, couple of words. He was angry, we read that, he was angry, but then what did he do? He pondered, he pondered, and then he acted. The key part here is that he took time to ponder. When we uh, journey or when we uh, have a moment where we feel that bubbling up of injustice, that anger of injustice, it's important that we take a breath and ponder as Nehemiah does here. When we see something that doesn't sit right that we we don't let it pass us by and we don't jump in instantly but we take time to ponder. As we travel Uh, right in 2022. There will be loads of spaces and places where we go into where things are happening that aren't right. And perhaps you are called to make a difference, to step in, to befriend, to defend, to champion the outcast, to speak out, over injustice, to go to the last in line and just check they're okay, to stand with the forgotten, to comfort the downtrodden and the beaten, to love the least and the last, perhaps as an invitation for us to travel right this year with more of God's heart for people. And the key thing as well in this passage is we don't we read of uh, Nehemiah being angry and then pondering, but it doesn't stop with the pondering. Perhaps you're angry at something you see, there's an injustice that God's stirring in you. And there's call, there's, you've been in that place of, you've been called to ponder with the Father. And you're in that place, but we're not to just stay pondering. Can I encourage us? Uh, to just ask the Lord, what is it I have to do? I'm pondering, I'm doing lots of pondering, Lord, but you call us to go. What does the goal look like? We're to be people that uh, spend time with the Father, then go, then go. So we're to travel right. Secondly, we are to travel light. You can see where I'm going, can't you? Travel right, travel light. Back in 2004, I went to Italy with a friend, I went to Rome, and we went for four days, we got flights for like 40 pounds in Ryanair and we stayed at a youth hostel, I ate lots of pasta, we nearly missed our flight home, and then amongst all that we went to the Colosseum, has anybody here been to the Colosseum in Rome, fantastic, amazing, amazing place, it makes me want to watch Gladiator again as I was preparing this and just thinking of the Colosseum. In ancient Rome, uh, crowds by the tens of thousands in the Colosseum would gather to watch as Christians were torn apart by wild animals. Paul Radar, who was commenting on his visit to the famous landmark, he says this, I stood uncovered to the heavens above where he sits for whom they gladly died. And I asked myself, would I, could I die for him tonight to get this gospel to the ends of the earth? He continued, I prayed most fervently in that Roman arena for the spirit of a martyr and for the working of the Holy Spirit in my heart as he worked in Paul's heart when he brought him on his handcuffed way to Rome. Those early Christians lived on the threshold of heaven within a heartbeat of home, no possessions to hold them back. They lived on the thresholds of heaven, within a heartbeat of home, no possessions to hold them back. As I read that, that last line caught me. Oh, that we would be a church that do that. Oh, that 2022 would look like that for each and one of us, each one of us who know and love Jesus. To be in the threshold of heaven, with a heart, within a heartbeat of home, no possessions to hold us back. How we can get sucked into the security of stuff. And not the security of Christ. I mentioned uh, last year the program Sort Your Life Out. And uh, we've got a little picture. And it's the ultimate declutter show. It's the ultimate declutter show where everything families own is placed in a big airport hangar. I think we've got a photo here that will come up. It should be the next slide, hopefully. Oh. Oh, that's not it. That's not it is it coming do, do, do. no it should be in the powerpoint we'll let the guys find it but one example was a lady uh, included a lady with more than 200 pairs of shoes 111 bottles of nail varnish 80 packets of out of date medicine because you know it'll still be okay you know if you need that calipol, and over a thousand books of the family's 260 pairs of shoes 70 percent of them were hers. 192 pairs of shoes. There we go. Look at that. 192 pairs of shoes. You know Jesus was pretty clear in Matthew 6 on where to store our treasures and our hope. Matthew 6 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Our stuff can get us stuck Stuck in practicing generosity, stuck in being able to look out, stuck in able to see the real needs in our city and with people that are in our day-to-day lives. Nehemiah verse 14, Nehemiah says, uh, He never ate, ate the food allotted to him as the governor, but the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their stuff got them stuck. Nehemiah didn't want that. He didn't want the burden placed on the people. The demands were heavy. He's seen the knock-on effects. He's seen the end results. He's seen the repercussions of what happens when we just look out for ourselves. He's seen the results of accumulation, looking after, number one. I wonder what it looks like for us to travel light into 2022. Where does generosity figure Do we need 192 pairs of shoes? You know what I was thinking? a picture that I got when I thought of 192 pairs of shoes. Let me just get, because I thought, what's it look like for 96 people to walk in those shoes? What a picture that is, isn't it? Somebody's got 190, get my numbers right? 192 pairs of shoes. That's 96 other people. That's more people than there is in here. Have a pair of shoes. Have a pair of shoes. Have a pair of shoes. I don't need them. Have a pair of shoes. Ninety-six stories. Ninety-six blessings to travel light. I wonder what that looks like in our years. And if anyone has 192 pairs of shoes, we'll pray for you later. (laughs) Nehemiah shows us the true blessing in travelling light. Understanding the impact. Do we understand the impact? Oh, Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Would you show us what it looks like to travel light into this year? We don't want the stuff. We don't want to get stuck. We want you. We want you. And then finally, we are to travel in spite. That's one word, not in spite. In spite. I was stretching it a wee bit to get it to rhyme, but I'll explain it. Hopefully you'll get the gist. An artist in Mexico, he lost his right hand while he was working on a statue. But he did not give up on his work. He continued to carve the statue with his left hand. And his beautifully finished masterpiece was called In Spite Off. In Spite Off. As I look at Nehemiah, as we read through that wonderful book, there was plenty, there was plenty in his journey where he could have went. Too much I'm not going to do it. There was plenty to stop him with the rebuild. There was plenty of attack, there was plenty of setbacks. The sheer scale of the rebuild alone could have been too much for him to stop, and he could have stopped. But he didn't. He carried on in spite of all everything coming his way. You know, something I think the Lord wants to stir in us as Jesus followers is not to put on the brakes in our walks or to stop travelling when the tough stuff comes. Because I think that's exactly where the enemy wants us. Stuck and stopped. Can't do much in that place. And some of us maybe feel we're in that place right now. And there's a call to be travelling in spite of what's going on, to keep moving in 2022. And I th- I think often in my experiences, not always, but when we give out in those seasons, it often determine, determines how we get out in those seasons. Not always, it's definitely not a formula, but, uh, or a direct result. But I know for me, when I'm stuck and I'm too much in my own stuff, and I'm in a valley moment where I'm struggling, but when I lift my head When I look to Jesus and I ask how can I give out in this moment, what does it look like for me to to see beyond what's going on in my context, and I try to bring something, anything in that moment when the going gets tough, it dramatically alters my frame of mind. It dramatically alters my perspective and view of God in my situation and the stuff that I'm journeying, in the valley moments. (laughs) And that needn't be a massive undertaking or a massive thing that we need to do. If you remember our series, there's something in the small that we done last year. There's power in the small things. So I want to ask us this question. If you're feeling stuck, what can you do this week to lift your head and to give out in spite of your situation? And for some of us, that will involve taking a step to simply rub shoulders with people again. To prioritize. To spend time with other Jesus followers. It could be life groups. It could be helping with the van. What is the space to give out? But not only that, it's not only a church thing here. What relationships do I need to invest in out with here? What clubs do I need to join? What hobbies do I need to start? Let's travel into 2022 with renewed faith. Let's look up. Let's lift our heads. Let's travel right. Let's travel light. And let's travel in spite of what is challenging around us.